Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, Dan, I'm hanging in there, brother. Ready to go. I know this is a packed show, so I'm going to shut my mouth and... Let yeah. Well, no, no. That's, I always appreciate your comments, <laughs> yeah. but obviously a rough day yesterday oh. uh, for Catholics, and I mean just everyone yes. around the world, not just Catholics. The history lost mm. and uh, Notre, uh, Notre Dame, uh, the Notre Dame, like the cathedral. My wife and I have been there. Um, sorry, Notre Dame, like the college. I'm just, uh, yeah. you know, it's just obviously a lot going on. It's, um, you know, just an iconic place, and to watch the imagery um, of the steeple collapsing and the fire was just devastating. I'll have some yeah. more about about that uh, at the end of the show briefly, but uh, just a tragic day. I, I must uh, have to mention that. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a really important show for you today. Uh, I mean that. I've been working with a lot of sources on this. I'm going to hat tip them mm-hmm. in a little while, but uh, I think I've come across a real conundrum. Uh, ah. A dilemma for the Obama administration. Yes, and this is going to—it's important you you tune in. This is about the curious timing of the Julian Assange arrest and where I think this is going, and a number of factors that played into it. All right, let's get right. right to it. I have no time to waste, so I appreciate uh, uh, everybody just tuning in and stay tuned. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Simply Safe. Listen, alarm, fear, the willies, the heebie-jeebies, panic, whatever you want to call it. There are dozens of words for fear, apprehension, anxiety, but just one for exceptional home security. To Stop your fear at your front door and keep you safe and sound. Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a home security system that knows it feels good to fear less. It's a system I use. I used to be in law enforcement. I like Simply Safe. Super easy to use. This is an award-winning 24/7 protection that protects your home through it all. Blizzards, blackouts, burglars. Simply Safe has won awards from all the tech experts' account. The Verge calls it the best home security system. It's also super easy to use. We use it. My mother-in-law uses it. It won Reader's Choice Award. It won the Reader's Choice Award from PC Magazine. It's a two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice and a Wire Cutter Top Pick. Simply Safe has no contracts, no hidden fees, and no gotchas. They don't need contracts. You know why? They don't need to bind you. You're going to love it so much. You're going to stick to it. And they've always they always keep their prices fair and honest. Thanks to Simply Safe, fear has no place in your home. Try Simply Safe with free shipping and free returns. You'll get a 60-day risk-free trial too. Who's better than them? No contract, 60-day risk-free trial. Order now and have your home protected within a week. Go to simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino to get started today. That's Simply Safe. S-I-M-P-L-I S-A-F-E, simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Be sure to go there so they know we sent you simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on with the Julian Assange case? And what is going on with Dana Buente? Now, this is going to be a little complicated, but I assure you this is worth your time. All right. So let me just give you the lead first. If we had the Dan Bongino post headline... It is going to be the timing of the Julian Assange arrest, who I think was involved in the investigation of Assange. This is the founder of WikiLeaks, of course. So the timing of the arrest is very suspicious. And who was involved in the investigation, specifically Dana Buente and others, is just fascinating. Let's get to the curious case of Dana Buente first. Now, I have to issue some hat tips before we start. I want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank people like Chuck Ross, Jeff Carlson. In this specific case, my buddy, we'll call him 279. I want to thank Tracy Beans. 
Um, I want to thank all of the journalists out there on Twitter that did the real investigative work on Spygate while the media sat in the corner with their dunce caps on. This specifically, I want to hat tip Tracy Beza, who's been all over this from the beginning, and my buddy, um, to, let's call him 279. Sources of mine have been working on this for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, let's establish some facts first. The entire crux of this debacle, this fiasco, this scandalous Spygate drama, okay? Let's just be clear so we understand where we're going. Was that the Russians worked in conjunction with WikiLeaks, Julian Assange's group, who was holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy and was recently arrested. That Russia worked with WikiLeaks and Assange to get the DNC emails that were hacked out there and that WikiLeaks and the Russians worked in conjunction with the Trump campaign. Do you understand that? Yeah. Does that make sense? If that doesn't make sense, none of this will make sense. Nah, we're good. So to be clear on this, all right, Joe, I'm relying on you uh, today. I know you are, yeah. If Assange, who had not been arrested up until this point, has evidence that they did not, in fact, get the emails from the Russians, it is going to be impossible to conclude that there was a conspiracy between the Trump campaign, WikiLeaks, and the Russians. Right. Folks, this is not hard to understand, although liberals are having a tough time digesting this. If I have bad information on Joe, I said I got from Tony, and I want to hurt Joe, and you're alleging a conspiracy between me and Tony, and then it turns out later I didn't get the information from Tony, I got it from Bob, I can't possibly have conspired with Tony. Right. It doesn't work that way. Now, there may have been third-party uh, satellites working with the Russians who gave the information to WikiLeaks. That's entirely possible. But it can't be a known conspiracy between WikiLeaks and the Russians if WikiLeaks didn't know they got the information from the Russians. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're, in, we're, we're together, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Julian Assange would know that. Right. Assange is, runs WikiLeaks. He has been holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London for eons. Not anymore. He's been arrested. Now, this is where this gets fascinating. Put that on hold for a minute. Well, uh, Julian Assange is the key to this whole collusion mm -hmm. thing if he did not, in fact, get this information from the Russians to give to the Trump team. There can be no Russia conspiracy. Notice the timing of the arrest. Hat tip 279. They seemed to wait until after the Mueller report was issued. And obviously, after Barr was appointed and Sessions was gone. Why would they do that? Ladies and gentlemen, this indictment, the, the indictment under Julian Assange, where he's indicted under, this is not new. The indictment was issued in March. March 8th, it's April. It's not new. It's not ancient, but it's not new either. Now, it's who issued this indictment and who likely conducted this investigation that's fascinating. Let's rewind a bit. Dana Buente is a Justice Department official who's held a number of different roles. He was lauded as a bit of a hero in the Trump administration, as evidenced by the Washington Post, uh, when he, as you can see this, uh, this lawyer stepped in to defend Trump's travel ban. This is a headline from the Washington Post. 
But he also approved surveilling an ex-Trump campaign aide. That's a February 7, 2018 piece by the Washington Post. Dana Buente, to be clear, is a Justice Department official who's held a number of roles. The U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia, a critical place where a lot of terrorists are tried. Also where the Mrs. Clinton case, Hillary Clinton, the email case, had a number of investigations going on. So Buente, when Trump issues the travel ban, Sally Yates, who is the acting DAG at the time, Deputy Attorney General, refuses to enforce it. She gets fired. Dana Buente takes over. He becomes a Trump favorite quickly. We found out later after the Nunes memo that Buente also signed the third FISA application. I promise you this is going to have a connection to Assange in a minute. Just hang in there, folks. Remember, Assange is the key to this whole story. So Buente... It was a was a hero of the conservative right until we found out he signed the the uh, April the third FISA the second renewal of the FISA application to spy on the Trump. Then everybody started to question what was what what's going on with Buente. Mm. There's a number of pro, pro Dana Buente and anti Dana Buente people out there. Let me explain a little background on Dana Buente and let me put out the lead first where I think I'm getting at. I think through a number of different sources that have pipelined me information here, I think there's a distinct possibility that Dana Buente, a lead Justice Department official, may have flipped on the co-conspirators in the Spygate drama, Comey and all the other bad actors, and is now actively involved in the investigation of all of the players who spied on the Trump team. Mm. It gets good. I want you to look at this executive order Barack Obama signed just days before Trump takes office. In this executive order, Barack Obama, up on the screen right now, I'll read it to you for the audio, folks. But it's on the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Dan Bongino. Check it out when you get home if you're listening to your car on your car radio or elsewhere. Barack Obama amends a prior executive order, changing the order of secession in the Department of Justice. Notably, he wipes away Dana Buente's ability to take over in the order of secession and replaces him with three Obama appointees, Channing Phillips, Zach Farden, and Eileen Decker. In other words, Dana Buente would be positioned nicely to take over a leadership position in the Department of Justice if people are relieved of their duties. And right before Trump takes office, Barack Obama seems to panic and he issues an executive order wiping Buente out of that order of secession. Okie dokes. You tracking me, Joe? Okie dokie. Obama's yeah. got a real problem yes, with yes. Dana Buente taking over a leadership position in the DOJ if Trump, when he gets in office in just days, is to fire some of these people. So he changes it so that these three people get pushed, his people, into leadership positions, icing Buente out. All right, we're good. We're good. Okay. All right, all cool. Now, another Washington Post piece about Buente. Remember, we're going to tie Buente to Assange. This is important. Interestingly enough, Washington Post, again, same author, Matt Zapatosky, April 10, 2018. Dana Buente, former top Justice Department official, now at FBI has been interviewed by Mueller and turned over notes. There's an interesting portion of this piece, though, where they describe why Buente is still around at the FBI and everything. 
This is fascinating. When Trump gets into office, ladies and gentlemen, he fires 40, uh, 40 plus United States attorneys across the country, which is common. They're political appointees. Trump yeah. wants to bring in his own government prosecutors, right? Yeah, I remember that. But three people we know of do not get fired. One of them is Dana Buente. The other one is Rod Rosenstein. And the other one is our buddy John Huber, who is now investigating all of this Spygate drama. So just to be clear, Buente gets iced out by Obama on an executive order days before Trump takes the presidency. Uh They want him out of leadership. Buente signs the FISA warrant, the third FISA. You would think, wow, he's got to be an Obama buddy. He signed one of the warrants to spy on Trump. Buente also fights for Trump's travel ban. Trump fires the U.S. attorneys, does not fire Buente. Where does Buente go? Well, where has Buente been? This is why I think this guy has flipped and is now telling the Trump team exactly what he knows about the malfeasance that happened. Or if not the Trump team, because Trump may have been a target of this obstruction probe, at a minimum, he's probably working with Huber right now on this massive spying scandal. What makes me believe that? Dana Buente was also appointed to an interesting position, acting assistant attorney general, of the National Security Division in April of 2017. He resigned. I'm sorry, that's when he resigned in April 2017. He was in that position during the Obama administration as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the National Security Division, as I've told you many times of the DOJ, the head of that division, who at the time of the Spygate disaster was no other than John Carlin, Bob Mueller's former chief of staff, is one of the final people to sign off on the FISA application indicating that the information, the dossier, Mm -hmm. used to spy on Trump was true. Buente was the acting assistant attorney general over there. Was Buente one of the people who had had some questions about the, quote, possible bias of sources. Catherine Herridge piece with Greg Reed, Fox News, FBI, clashed with DOJ over potential bias of source for surveillance warrant. McCabe and Page text indicate. This is from the piece. Just nine days before the FBI applied for a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump, to to surveil a top Trump campaign aide, bureau officials were battling with a senior Justice Department official who had continued concerns about the possible bias of a source pivotal to the application, according to internal text messages obtained by Fox News. Now, they indicate that it may be a different person, but was Buente one of the people in the National Security Division at that time? in the DOJ, who had serious concerns about possible bias. Ladies and gentlemen, this would explain why Buente may feel a little burned that his John Hancock, his signature, won on the third FISA warrant, the second renewal of the FISA warrant, Mm. and may be a little furious later on. 
Joe, if you put your name on a warrant to spy on someone and you were assured by the FBI that your source was legitimate, even though you had concerns about his bias, and they said to you, don't worry, this is all legit, and you signed it anyway, and you're a decent guy, would you be upset later on? I'd be kind of PO'd, dude. Yeah. You'd be PO'd. So would Dana Puente. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Is it just slightly possible that Puente, I told you this would be a little complicated, but I promise this is worth your time. Puente signs the April renewal. Remember this, four FISA warrants. Yeah, yeah. What happens in that January to April period of 2017? Papadopoulos is interviewed and Joseph Mifsud is interviewed. Mifsud is the guy who's alleged to have started off this entire scandal by telling Papadopoulos that the Russians have dirt on Hillary. They interviewed Mifsud. If they had information he was a Russian agent, why is it included in that April FISA? Was Buente misled? Mifsud's disappeared. No one can find him. If Mifsud is not a Russian agent and did not pass that information to Trump, then the FBI's whole case, along with the WikiLeaks angle that they helped serve as an information conduit, this whole case is a hoax. If Mifsud was working with friendlies to set up Papadopoulos, you're not looking at a Russian collusion scandal. You're looking at a federal entrapment scandal. Yeah. Was Buente lied to when he puts his signature on that FISA warrant? Was Buente furious enough to have turned on these people? Now, here's where this connects to Assange. Remember, Buente's interviewed by Mueller. You can see it in that Washington Post piece. Mm-hmm, Dana mm-hmm. Buente's interviewed by Mueller as part of his investigation. An investigation we are now completely confident, I am, had nothing to do with collusion. Mueller knows from the start that collusion is a hoax. He's not stupid. This is clearly an obstruction of justice investigation meant to do two things. As I've insisted from the start, Mueller's investigation is to shut down the Trump team, number one. Yep. To keep the heat on them and keep the heat off Hillary and all the other malfeasance in the DOJ and build political pressure for impeachment. But secondly, number two, the Mueller probe into obstruction will encompass every single person in the FBI who was involved in the Spygate trauma. Joe, what's the effect of that? The effect of that is anyone in the DOJ who tries to interview anyone involved in the Spygate trauma, Mueller can say what, Joe? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't interview them. You'll be obstructing our investigation into obstruction. Oh, this is genius. Man. Elegant. Elegant in its sickness and depravity. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It explains perfectly why Buente would be interviewed by Mueller. Buente knows the whole thing. He signed one of the FISA warrants. Buente was cut out of the chain of command by Obama. Trump inserts him back into the chain of command. Puente's in the National Security Division as Mueller's old chief of staff, Carlin, is signing off on all this information that's fake to spy on the Trump team. Puente has the keys to the kingdom. Puente conveniently is only one of three people not fired by Donald Trump. Oh, Donald Trump. I love the anti-Trumpers. He's so stupid. He's so dumb. He's a real <laughs> st- Orange man, bad. Orange man, stupid. <laughs> duh, duh, you sure about duh. that? Uh, duh. You think he didn't let Buente go because he liked his tie selection? 
I will posit to you that it is highly likely if there are people within justice in the FBI who are talking right now and who've become integral portions of this investigation, put it together. Who knows everything? Rosenstein, who I still don't believe is a good guy, by the way, but has the information. And he, Rosenstein's a political operator. Rosenstein's going to do whatever he has to do to save his reputation. Puente, who's in the National Security Division, is they're signing off on this stuff. He knows Carlin. Carlin was Mueller's old chief of staff. Puente signs one of the Fizes. And the other guy not fired, John Huber, who's now investigating all of this for the Department of Justice. Oh, is this case fascinating? Wow. Whoa. You're darn right. Yeah, now, dude. One more, one more background piece on Puente. So what we're trying to establish is Obama wanted him iced out. Trump wanted him defrosted. Trump is not stupid. Not only is Puente interviewed by Mueller. Remember, the obstruction, but let's shut all these guys up. Puente is interviewed by Mueller about a number of notes he took based on interactions, Puente that is, with Jim Comey. Comey who told him about meetings with Donald Trump. Now, if you were trying to conduct an obstruction investigation like Mueller, Puente would be the perfect witness if they actually believed that Trump tried to obstruct the investigation, as Jim Comey has alluded to, right, in the past. He hasn't directly said it, but he's alluded to it. But what if Puente had the exact opposite story? What if Puente's story to Mueller, oh, is this Mueller report on Thursday going to be nice, nice? What if Puente's story, because he talked to Comey, is not that Trump told Comey to obstruct the investigation, but that Trump did nothing of the sort. I spoke to Comey direct. That's not what he told me. We have some of Puente's memos. They don't indicate any level of criminal obstruction of justice at all. Comey's memos about his conversation. I mean, Puente's memos with his conversations about Comey. Oh, a lot of people wrote memos. Ladies and gentlemen, is, is, is Puente another white knight in this? Or we'll call them gray knights because Puente was involved in this FISA disaster too. Yeah. But Puente clearly knows everything. Now, maybe saying, well, well, golly, how does this, what does that have to do with Julian Assange? I led with Assange. Yes, you I did. told you two people now have keys to the kingdom. That's how I had to lay this out. Assange, because if Assange did not get his information about the DNC emails from the Russians and got them from someone else, yeah. then the Russian collusion story is dead. Later. You can't collude with the Russians if you didn't get your information from the Russians. <laughs> it's true. Assange knows. <laughs> Puente knows a lot about this Spygate debacle, too, because he signed the FISAs and was in the National Security Division, and Obama tries to ice him out. And he's been interviewed by Mueller, and he talked to Jim Comey about the memos. Paula, is this making sense? I need reinforcement. You sure? Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we know... There are two keys to the kingdom, uh -huh. Puente and Assange. These two are connected. Let's go on here. Dana Puente was the United States, the government lawyer, the prosecutor for the Eastern District of Virginia. Dana Puente, when he leaves, 
passes down the investigation to a Tracy Darty McCormick. That's the name on the Assange indictment back in March. But ladies and gentlemen, McCormick wasn't in office long enough after being passed the torch by Buente to have conducted and signed off or led this investigation herself. She was only there for a short period of time. This is a complicated investigation. You see where I'm going with this? The investigation into Assange, ladies and gentlemen, was likely led by Dana Buente. Oh. How about that? Oh. <laughs> oh, is this juicy? Dana Buente, if anybody, if anybody out there knows who WikiLeaks got their information from, remember, the liberals and the media, their entire story about collusion hinges on one key fact, that WikiLeaks got their info from the Ruskies, from the Russians, Wolverines, Red Dawn style. <laughs> if that did not happen, the same guy who Obama tried to ice out and who Trump kept on is one of the one guys they didn't get rid of. Three of them, he's one of them. Out of 47 fired U.S. attorneys, he's not on that list. He's there the whole time. If anybody knows, it's Puente. If anybody knows the Russians didn't do it, or didn't give it to WikiLeaks. I'm not suggesting the Russians are our friends, mate, or WikiLeaks for that matter. I'm simply suggesting to you that I do facts. Mm -hmm. If anybody knows, it's Puente. Now, Tracy Darty McCormick was acting. They then, oh, this, is crazy. <laughs> this is so crazy, it's going to bake your bagels, I promise. Again, I gotta. I just want to make sure a heavy hat tip to Tracy Beans and my buddy Two Seven Nine. All right, because I, I, I really, there are people out there doing unbelievable work out there. When Tracy Darty McCormick, who takes over, signs the indictment to Assange, leaves the position just a little bit later, she's acting in there. An investigation, I believe, was led by Buente's team. Who takes over for her? Zach Terwilliger. We're like, who the heck is that? Yeah. Might as well have said Inspector Gadget. Who the heck is Zach Terwilliger? Zach Terwilliger is the son of George Terwilliger. Okay. G. Who the heck is that again? <laughs> who the heck is that the sequel? G who the heck is that? Part two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the flying Terwilligers. I think it's a circus. George Terwilliger, ladies and gentlemen was the deputy attorney general of one William Barr. Yes, your attorney general now. Remember, Barr's been the attorney general twice. The deuce. <laughs> so the attorney, the deputy attorney general for William Barr and his prior of George Terwilliger, a guy he trusts, a guy in public speeches, in that position, talking about the Deputy Attorney General, Barr has acknowledged how important that position is. He appoints his son, or, or his son gets appointed, excuse me, George Terwilliger, to that position in the Eastern District of Virginia where they're looking into the whole Assange case. Folks, who else did Terwilliger work for? Zach Terwilliger? who's running the Eastern District that's prosecuting Assange now, has the indictment out. 
He worked for Chuck Grassley at one point. Why is that important and significant? Senator Grassley, for anyone who's been a federal agent, me included, I was a Secret Service agent. One thing about Grassley's office, do not mess with Grassley's office if you are in the FBI. Ladies and gentlemen, anyone out there listening who's an FBI agent, Secret Service, DEA, an 1811 anywhere, you know what I'm telling you is true. Grassley has exactly zero tolerance for law enforcement malfeasance. He has had a reputation for decades for just destroying people up on the hill from the FBI and elsewhere if you come up there with your facts out of order. Awfully convenient that Terwilliger worked up there for Grasley. His dad worked for Barr. Terwilliger's now running this office with this key investigation about Assange that had to be run by Buente before, who's one of the few U.S. attorneys Trump didn't fire. And who knows? All of this. Now, let me tie this up for you. Because this is going to get even better. As 27.9 will say. You know, when you're doing a federal or a local investigation, you wait for the bad guy to commit the crime. Before you arrest him, right, Joe? Yeah. I'm watching you on surveillance rob a bank. Yeah. I have to see you coming out with the money. Yeah. You know? Now, you know, you know, you don't let people commit like a violent crime in front of you, but if you have a source and you have a guy on tape and he's getting ready to make the drug deal, you wait for the pass. The pass, mm -hmm. meaning the drugs get passed from me to you. Yeah. It's police. You've seen it on TV. Police move it. Police don't move. Oh, the informant girl, you know, pretends he's getting arrested too. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. Why did they wait? to arrest Assange until after Mueller's report was issued. Ladies and gentlemen, is there an investigation going on behind the scenes or at minimum a fact-finding mission, we'll call it, about what the hell Mueller's been doing the whole time? In other words, I know this is a bit confusing. Don't worry, I'll tie it up for you. Mm-hmm. Were they waiting for Mueller to put in his report a bunch of stuff about WikiLeaks colluding with the Russians, knowing the entire time that they didn't get the information from the Russians? Could it be? Wouldn't that be nice to get? Wouldn't that be great to get that in writing by Mueller, knowing the whole time the story is a big nothing burger? Wow. It, the worm seems like it's turning. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, does oh, it ever? Whoever. Or alternate explanation. It would explain why Mueller wrapped up his investigation, and Andy Weissman is his his uh, lead bulldog, who's a who's a who's a, a key player in this whole thing, because Weissman knows the dossier is politically funded when Mueller hires him, mm. so he knows collusion's a hoax. Weissman quits all of a sudden. At the end, he's gone. All of a sudden, the Mueller investigation wraps up. Wouldn't it be nice if Bill Barr, who's now the attorney general, who's probably seen Buente's information, probably has a decent tip that the WikiLeaks-Russia connection is tenuous, if, if not non-existent, goes up to Mueller and says, you realize your whole case is based on this, right? The collusion that you've been supposedly investigating for 675 days. When exactly did you find that out? Hence the delivery of the Mueller report. Or... Are they waiting for Mueller to put it down in writing to point out later, hey, Bob, you sure about this? Folks, <laughs> 
this case is my wife uh worries sometimes i always like to give you behind the scenes it's a candid show it's not scripted there is zero teleprompter one of these days i'll show you my studio and the camera there is no teleprompter here at all none i have my notebook and that's it and i only look down occasionally to prompt myself to be reminded about things all right let me just move on because I'll go on all day and my wife will get upset. All right, today, all right. seriously, because I I, I, yeah, I I get off on these side notes and things. I got one more thing to tie up and I'm going to wrap it up. Thing. All right, today's show also brought to you by buddies at stamps.com. Listen, who has time to go uh, to the post office? You're busy. You've got time for all that traffic, parking hassles, uh, lugging all of your mail and packages. It's a real hassle. We love stamps.com. We use it in our house. We wouldn't be able to do it any other way. We just don't have time. Uh, it makes everything so easy. Stamps.com. That's why you need stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings you all the amazing amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle all of it with ease. Super easy to use. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it over to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It is that simple. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. That savings adds up. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, my listeners get a special offer. Get a load of this. Includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, it's important, and type in Dan. There's a microphone at the top of the page at stamps.com. Click on it, type in Dan. That's stamps.com, enter Dan, and you'll get those special offers. Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, enter Dan for those special offers. Okay. Oh, let's see. Possible bias. I'm just trying to... to, to Keep everything straight, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. One last thing on this case. So John Huber is the U.S. attorney out there supposedly investigating all of this. It's also pretty fascinating that John Huber is appointed right around in June when I talk about all this Civil War stuff as Mueller gets wind, June, that June-July period, likely gets wind of the fact that these FBI techs have been exposed, which will blow up this whole case, indicating that they were spying on the Trump team with very little information at best. Remember, it's Peter Stroke himself, the lead investigator, who says there's no there there. So Huber's appointed right around that time, and Huber's one of the three that are not fired by Trump. Folks, this case is going to get really interesting really fast. Remember, Assange has this information. Assange has been out there for a very long time. There are indications that critical players involved with some of the conspirators in this Spygate drama who have acted as sources and lawyers for sources have met with Assange. Assange knows something. There's no doubt about that. The question to come out now from this point on, I'm going to leave you with a couple open questions because I don't want to suggest this is all tied up in a neat little bow and a ribbon. Who was Assange getting his information from? If we can confirm this was not, in fact, the Russians, this is going to be devastating. How early on did key players at the FBI know about Assange's information? 
In other words, if he didn't get it from the Russians, and there's still not any really hard evidence about the Russian hack of the DNC, how much of that got its way, meandered its way around the FBI? And if it did, why did they still investigate a case of Russians hacking the DNC? It would make sense then why the FBI wouldn't demand the computers from the DNC and would allow CrowdStrike, a non-law enforcement entity, to do it. Folks, this thing's about to blow wide open. This Mueller report is going to be fascinating. Um, one quick note on that. I'm going to be traveling this week for some Fox stuff. Uh, it's, we are going to do a video, a video show. It may not be in my studio. It may look a little, you know, uh, you know, YouTube. Sometimes people do. Th- it's not going to be on an iPhone or anything, but it's not going to be like this. Please tune in. I cannot miss the Mueller report on Thursday or Friday, but I am traveling and I absolutely do not want to miss the show and I want to be there for you. So forgive us about the video quality, but please tune in. I promise you we'll still have all of our effects and our things and our, and our clips and stuff like that. So Paula wanted me to mention that. I'm just, I'm, I don't know, folks. I'm blown away by this whole thing. Oh, man. I really am. Yeah, me too, dude. Is that Puente angle fascinating? Man. Fascinating. Puente, why would Trump not fire Puente? Puente knows everything. Puente's the guy in the Eastern District as they're investigating this whole thing about Assange, who's the key to the whole collusion thing. Gosh, this guy could take everybody down. Is he working with the, I mean, this, with the Trump thing? This is fascinating. With Huber? Fascinating. What do they know about Assange? All right. Let's move on. All right. Today's show also brought to you by buddies at iTarget. This is the finest system out there for improving your marksmanship. We know two things matter with a firearm owner, right? You have to be safe, but you have to be accurate. God forbid you're put in a situation defending your life or the lives of your family. You must be accurate. You must improve your accuracy. How do you do that? Well, you can go to the range and you should. But the range takes a lot of time. You're not going to be able to get there every day if you live a busy life. I have the solution for you here. It is the iTarget Pro system. The website is I, like the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. And what is it? They will send you a laser round. Yes, a laser round. You will insert in the firearm you have now, 9mm, 40 caliber, 38 doesn't really make a difference. They have them for all these models. And... When you depress the trigger on that safely unloaded weapon with the laser round, it will send you a target and it will emit a laser onto that target. It basically makes your firearm and your dry firing, it takes it to the next level. Dry firing is when you safely unload your weapon, you check it, you check it twice, you check it three times, and you depress a trigger and it point in a safe direction, of course, on a safely unloaded weapon to practice your sight alignment, trigger control, and your grip. But if the round is not leaving the firearm because it's empty... To have that laser round in there, you know exactly where the round would have gone. Go check out the iTarget Pro system. It is the finest system out there. It'll take your accuracy to the next level. You will not be able to put this system down. Go to iTargetPro.com. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. Use promo code DAN and save 10%. That's iTargetPro.com. This is a must-have for any firearm owner out there looking to improve their accuracy. You will love this system. You will not be able to put it down. iTargetPro.com. Promo code DAN for 10% off. So yesterday... Bernie Sanders at a town hall. I've got a bunch of video clips from this I want to get to, which are uh, just Bernie just blowing it again. This guy, (laughs) he had a town hall with Fox News and Bernie Sanders does what Bernie Sanders always does, which is manipulate and massage words, never answer a question and resort immediately to class warfare. Right. I mean, this is the standard Bernie Sanders. Mm. So I have about three clips of Bernie and we have a little guest appearance by Cardi B, too. You know, Cardi B, the rapper. Oh, yeah. Believe me, this is 
gonna it's gonna be interesting. But I want to again, I'm gonna highlight through these series of clips how Bernie Sanders lives in a complete intellectual vacuum. All right. Let's play clip number one. This is Bernie Sanders arguing that you're gonna pay more in taxes, but watch how he just conveniently deflects from the real problem with his dopey answer. Play that cut. We are saying to that family of four, you ain't gonna pay that twenty-eight thousand. You're not paying any more premiums. You're not paying any more co-payments. You're not paying any more deductibles. How's that? $28,000 you are not paying. But does that mean you're not going to pay something? Of course it does. You're going to pay more in taxes. And do members of Congress who now have gold-plated health insurance... No, we don't. Well, they have a special plan that's outside Obamacare. Uh, mm. A different plan. You know, do member of, members of Congress, are they going to do that transition as Damn well? Damn right. Of course. Of course. Why would you suggest otherwise? Okay. Interesting okay. how Bernie answers this question. Yeah. He's suggesting that you're paying upwards of $28,000 a year in your health care, uh, which is actually a, 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 an absurd number. I don't know where he's getting that from. Uh, that's an, it's an extraordinary number. I mean, there may be uh, people who are very sick and that may, but, but going by an average on that case is ridiculous. You probably want to go with a more accurate measure of central tendency, like a median or a mode. Think about why, Joe. If you're a generally healthy guy and your neighbor has stage four cancer, mm -hmm. renal failure, liver problems, and is, is work, it has a brain aneurysm, comparing you to him and averaging him out is absurd. His yeah. medical bills are hers are $2 million a year. Yours are 5000 the average is one million. No, it's not. That's a, <laughs> so Bernie, it's it's interesting how they use measures of central tendency when he thinks it advances his argument. You guys are paying twenty eight thousand dollars a year. You're not going to pay that. You're just going to pay more in taxes. Okay, you're not paying that. Most of you, that's not true. Sick people may be paying that, but then he says you're going to pay more in taxes. But that's not a question of. There are two types of questions, right? There are like binary yes or no choices, and then there are questions with the answers hinges on the margin. In other words, like nobody asks you in the in the winter, you know, heat, yes or no. You're like, of course, you idiot, it's cold. They ask you how much? Do you want it at 68, 70, 71? In other words, the margin matters. The degree. What degree of heat? What I'm trying to get at is here, Bernie, notice how liberals strategically answer questions. You're going to pay more in taxes. Yes, Bernie, the degree more matters. What do you mean? 1% more? Or do you mean 100% more? Because the answer is to pay for and finance Bernie Sanders' own tax plan, independent analysts looking at this have said your tax rates are going to double. Imagine what you're paying now times that by two. And even then you're lucky to get a doctor's appointment because doctors and hospitals are going to have to take a 40% pay cut under Bernie Sanders' plan, which means many of them are going to leave the industry and you are going to have to get in line as the supply of doctors and hospitals decrease. Folks, I thought Brett and Martha did a decent job on that. But when you're arguing your leftist, with your leftist friends, by the way, about this, well, you're going to pay more in taxes. Yes, how much? It's not a binary question, more or less. The question is, what is the more or what is the less? The degree matters. The margins matter. Notice how he skips over that. Instead of giving an appropriate answer, you will wait in line because 40% pay cuts will be coming for doctors and hospitals who will leave the business. 
and you will pay double what you're paying in taxes now to wait in that line. The details matter, ladies and gentlemen, but Bernie's very slick at avoiding the details. Now, showing you the intellectual vacuum Bernie lives in and how some of his supporters don't seem to understand. Joe, do you get what I'm saying? The difference between yes or no binary questions oh, and, sure. and on the margin, the degree? Yeah, sure. Keep the heat example in your head. It's right. not yes or no. The answer is, of course, heat. How much matters? Right. How much in taxes? Not taxes, yes or no. It'll be more in taxes. Yeah, how much, Bernie? His supporters always leave that out, and they don't seem to understand this. This is a fascinating little clip I put together here. Well, Joe did, and Paula, thank you, of Cardi B. She's a performer and entertainer who's had some issues of her own recently, by the way. Here's the first cut, which Joe had to edit heavily due to some cussing. Don't worry. It's a family-friendly clip. Joe edited it out. But if you have kids in the car and you don't want bleeps either, then you may want to hit the 15-second advance button. This is Cardi B complaining about her tax rate. Hey, so you know the government is taking 40% of my taxes. And Uncle Sam, I want to know what you're doing with my tax money because you know what I'm saying like when you donate like when you donate to a kid from a foreign country they give you updates of what they doing with your donation I want to know what you're doing with my tax money because I'm from New York and the streets is always dirty we was voted the dirtiest city in America what is y'all doing there's still rats on the damn trains I know y'all not spending it in no damn prison because y'all be giving it like two underwears one jumpsuit for like five months so what is y'all doing with my money what is y'all doing with my money I want to know I want receipts I want everything I want to know what y'all Okay. All right. There's yeah. Cardi B uh, <laughs> with some. Uh, a rant. I mean, I, I don't even know what to call that. That's a, that's a rant, all right, on why she's so upset about how she gives all of her money. She's a, obviously a millionaire, very wealthy based on music sales. She's upset about where her money's going, how the government stinks, how their prisons are buying two under, underwears. Yes. Under- that's- Underwears. Any pairs of underwear? <laughs> <laughs> and a jumpsuit. Um, yeah, and a jumpsuit. Right? <laughs> yeah, she's good, Joshua. Now, someone confronts Cardi B at this entertainment event and asks Cardi B who she's supporting for president. Keep in mind, this is the same woman who complains about how much money she's got to pay to the government, how the government basically stinks. <laughs> who are you supporting in 2020? Um, I don't know. You know, I'm going to always go with Bernie. Yeah. You know why? Because this is the thing, right? I, Bernie don't say things to be cool. Like there's pictures of him being an activist from a very, very, very long time. Hey, mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yes, he was an activist from those photos when he was a communist activist. Yes. Communist who confiscate all of your wealth, all of it. All of your wealth, Cardi. Oh, my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you all the time, I wake up every morning thinking to myself, thank the Lord Almighty that I am not, in fact, a liberal. They live in an intellectual vacuum. I'm tired of paying my bleep, bleep, bleep taxes <laughs> because the government bleep, 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 bleep. Who are you supporting? I'm supporting Bernie. Bernie, who wants to literally double your taxes and then some. Folks, this is an epidemic on the left of intellectual dishonesty. 
You know, I have a Wall Street Journal piece about this. Just to kind of throw in before I get back to Bernie cuts. Wall Street Journal has a fascinating piece up today about this very topic. How liberals are constantly living in an intellectual vacuum. It's called Sanders and Trump in the Midwest, again, by James Freeman, who I I really enjoy his work in the op-ed column of the Wall Street Journal. There's an interesting snippet in James Freeman's piece where he talks about how people just don't do any homework on this tax law at all. And that large swaths of people who, in fact, mathematically got a tax cut. It is a mathematical certainty they got a tax cut. How in this snippet that large swaths of people don't believe they got a tax cut, even though they did. Here it is. Examining the JCT data that studied the tax bill, Joe. Scott Eastman at the Tax Foundation writes, in 2019, the Trump tax law will reduce aggregate tax liabilities, of course, across all income groups Mm -hmm. by an estimated $259 billion relative to the prior law. For example... The group of taxpayers making thirty to forty thousand in 2019 will pay an estimated five point four billion dollars less. That's a thirteen point five percent reduction compared to the prior law. These statistics don't even measure the benefits in job and wage gains resulting from the corporate income tax cut, which triggered a spike in business investment. How are people making thirty to forty thousand dollars a year, Joe? Getting that big of a tax cut? That's not possible. Bernie Sanders and others told us it was a tax cut for the rich. Mm. Not if you do homework, it isn't. Oh, If you do homework, you understand that that is not in fact true. You have Alyssa Milano tweeting out, tax refunds are down. Yeah, no kidding, Alyssa, because you paid less money to the government. My gosh, you put that in an... (laughs) Could we hit a double Muttley on this one? You know what? One more. Alyssa gets the triple Muttley. That's a unique honor. The quadruple Muttley is only held for really rare, unique moments. But the trip, you hit the quadruple Muttley. Uh, you must really be upset at Alyssa. Uh, yes. Alyssa Milano got the quadruple. That's Joe's judgment. I was going to give her the judgment. triple Muttley. Joe went with the quadruple. Dude. You're getting less money back because you paid less money. You got a tax cut. Gosh, what must it be like every day to be a liberal like Cardi B? Oh. And, and Alyssa Milano, and not understand basic math. Or to be Bernie Sanders, the taxes are going to go up. Uh, yeah, Bernie, how much kind of matters? What do you mean, $5 or $5 million? How much exactly are our taxes going to go up? We're going to put on the heat. Yeah, how much? We're going to put the heat at 275 Hey, I'm good. That's called an oven. I'll stay in the 70 But thank you. Oh. All right, let's get back to Bernie because I hear my wife out there. Move along. We got videos to get to. Here's Bernie. Now, Bernie's a millionaire. We now know that. We'll get to that in a second, too. But here's Brett and Martha on the uh, stage there at his town hall asking Bernie about the tax rate as a millionaire who he claims to despise. Million, millionaire, millionaires, billionaires. He doesn't like them. Here's them asking him about his own tax rate. Your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. But during, I am, I paid the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? Yeah, well, yeah, well, 
Jean, you're doing that. Well, we'd love to have you. We would love we'll, to have we'll that question. Get him up and and the president, I guess the president watches your network a little bit, right? <laughs> hey, President Trump, my wife and I just released 10 years. Please do the same. Let the American people know how much we're doing. All right. But just, just to wrap that up, you do spend a lot of time vilifying millionaires. No, I don't vilify. The fact that I think people who are doing phenomenally well right now, as you know, for 40 years, we have seen a shrinking middle class. You've got 40 million people living in poverty. And today, just so happens that the very wealthy are doing incredibly wealthy. It's not vilifying to say that people have a whole lot of money, in some cases, billions of dollars of wealth. They should pay their fair share of taxes. Right. Well, right. A lot that's of, not vilified. On the last question on this. The, a lot of millionaires and billionaires give a ton to charity. You gave 3.4%. Yeah. My wife and I do give money to charity. All right. And we're proud to do what we did. There are others. You're quite right. There are people. Gates Foundation do a phenomenal job. We do what we do. <laughs> this guy's great. You almost have to like admire the guy's temerity here. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about cojones. This guy's incredible. He's a multimillionaire at this point. He's made millions, this guy, Bernie, right? Brett and Martha ask him a very sensible question. You're running on a position suggesting, he even said it in the clip, that millionaires or billionaires should pay more money. Of which, folks, this is just logic here. You are one. You are a millionaire. Yet, when your taxes were cut, pursuant to a tax law by President Trump, signed by President you objected to, you did not pay more. You took that rate happily and paid it. Notice the deflection. He then goes right to, well, ask President Trump what he paid. That's not the point. President Trump, me, Joe Paula and every conservative libertarian, even a lot of moderate Democrats out Democrats mm. out there are arguing for lower taxes. We're not hypocrites. I don't want you to pay higher taxes because I don't want to pay them either because they stink because the government's wasting your money. Like Cardi B suggested. There's no hip. Well, ask Trump what he paid. I hope as little as possible. I hope Trump goes up there and says, I paid 10%. That would be terrific. As long as he didn't break the law and the tax law allows him to do that pursuant to investment, whatever losses he may have had to take, depreciation schedules, whatever it may be, the lowest, what tax rate do I want to pay? The lowest amount possible. Mm -hmm. And I can assure you, President Trump feels the same way. Please point out the hypocrisy there. He's Trump's not arguing for higher taxes. You are. What a, what a stupid answer. Why do you pay the lower tax rates if those you're telling everybody those are bad? Those tax rates, bad. Orange men, bad. Prior tax rates, higher, good. Bernie, do you pay them? No, I don't pay those. Well, why not? Well, ask Trump. We're not asking Trump. We're asking you. You're the one arguing for higher tax rates. Notice again, slip number one. This is when I say slip, I mean a boxing slip. You know, yeah. jab, you, yeah. you want to duck under. Slip number one, he doesn't answer the question. He goes right to ask Trump. I don't care. I don't care about Trump's answer. It's perfectly aligned with his, his tax cuts. He doesn't want to pay taxes at that high rate. Either do I. What's, there's no issue there. That's deflection number one. You got to go ask Trump. 
Deflection number two, he goes back to his argument about making it a, a binary thing rather than a marginal question. When he says millionaires and billionaires should pay their fair share. Bernie, no kidding. What's the degree of the fair share? It's not heat or no heat, fair share or no fair share. It's what is fair share and heat in a winter mean? Does it mean 70 or does it mean 500 degrees so you burn your house down? The degree <laughs> matters. Do you understand that? He will never nail it down because Bernie Sanders' fair share is everything because he's a socialist at heart. But he will never tell you that. Ever. He ducks the question when it comes to you specifically all the time. This guy is a phenomenal fraud. Okay, last video uh, from this. Actually, we got Oh, we got two more. Okay, uh, this is Bernie being asked about his book sales, which generated him uh, a, a, a lot of money and made him a millionaire. His answer is fascinating. But I just want to back on the the taxes briefly. It, you know, when you wrote wrote the book and you made the money, yeah, isn't that the definition of capitalism, the American dream? No. <laughs> I mean, you know. What we want is a country where everybody has opportunity. You know, I have a college degree. I'm a United States senator. But a lot of people don't have a college degree. A lot of people are not United States senators. I want everybody in this country to be able to have health care, to have education, to when they turn on the water, have drinkable water, not toxic water. So what we are fighting for is a society not where just a few people can make a whole lot of money, but a society where everybody in this country has the opportunity to live in security uh, and dignity. Oh, the, oh, okay. That one uh, gets the gold medal of stupid answers oh. in that in the town hall, which I thought. So let, let's be clear on this. He's asked about his book, which generated him six-figure money and made him an, a millionaire, which would be seven figures. But I believe his book, the advance, was around $800,000. I just want to be precise. Regardless, he made a million dollars. That plus his Senate salary and whatever else he was doing. He's asked if that's capitalism. And he just lies and says no. So let's define capitalism because liberals clearly don't know what capitalism is. Capitalism is the ability to own private property. In socialism and communism, everything is owned by the collective. In other words, owned by nobody, which is why it all gets destroyed. Now, you may say... Well, how is making generating money from a book sales evidence of capitalism? Because, Joe, if that book was written in a socialist country, mm. the license on that book, the publisher's license, the trademarks, all the copyrighted material in there would not be owned by Bernie. A I'm copyright, Joe, is otherwise known as property. Hey, It may not be tangible property. It's called intellectual property. The same intellectual vacuum the liberals live in right now. So is a six-figure uh, advance on a book sale capitalism? Yes, by any measure. If you know what capitalism is, which Bernie either doesn't or is lying about, I will defer to the latter. Second, so the first tenet of capitalism, the ability to own private property. What's the second tenet of capitalism? A price system, not a rationing system. There are no prices per se in communism and socialism. Things aren't priced. 
The market doesn't work because there is no market to drive up prices from each according to abilities to each according to their needs. Collectives work on farms to produce food that's not priced. It's distributed according to your needs. Is a book, Joe, not a trick question. Mm -hmm. Is a book priced or is it rationed on Amazon? Well, I would, on Amazon, uh, the book is it's yeah, priced this is on Amazon. I yes, know. it's priced. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you, Joe. Took a it's far, priced. Yeah. So Bernie Sanders, again, lying to you about what capitalism and his book sales are. He did not ration his books. No. He did oh. not give them away to the collective for free. He didn't go out to a farm collective somewhere and distribute them randomly to people and say, hey, these are my great ideas. Go hear them. The third tenet of capitalism. Yeah. The ability to trade your labor for a wage. You are not given wages in socialism from each according to their abilities. You work on the farm. You work in the factory. You were then supposedly fed by the collective according to your abilities and needs. Well, Bernie Sanders says in that clip, look at my abilities. I went to college. I'm a U.S. senator. Yeah. Okay. Notice what he didn't say in there. He didn't say I was an author or an English major. Because in communism, that's not how any of this works. From each, we take according to your abilities. Bernie just said, I got a college degree. So why isn't he a full-time author? Why is he a U.S. senator? He just laid out what capitalism is. There is a demand for Bernie's books. That's a market, folks. Bernie decided to become an author. Why, Joe? Because he could demand a price for his ideas that people wanted, even if those ideas are socialist. If it was taken from him in a socialist system according to his abilities, Bernie would be a college professor somewhere. Not a million-dollar author. You know, I don't expect liberals to digest any of this because I know it's just way over your head. And I know it's not complicated like Joe and I and Paul and my audience gets it. Mm -hmm. But the liberals watching this, I'm sorry to say, I'm not trying to convert you anymore because you don't want to be converted. You want to live in an intellectual abyss. Nothing I just said to you is in any way controversial. Capitalism is about prices, working for a wage, not on a collective, and owning private property. Literally everything Bernie Sanders profited off by writing his book. And when asked if that's evidence of capitalism, he goes, oh, no, it's not. I want clean water. I don't want to drink toxic water. What a goof. Okay, I got a wrap today. I got more. Don't miss tomorrow's show either. It's going to be really stacked. I want to. I got one more uh, video I want to play, and I've got a bunch of stuff on AOC and more stuff on this, what I talked about with Puente and others. So please don't go anywhere. Uh, I'll see you back here tomorrow, but I just want to end with this picture, really touching picture uh, from the cathedral. Uh, everything burned, and uh, or not everything. There was some structure left, but look at this just amazing picture in this tragedy. Look what's standing there that cross. So I'll just leave you with that. Have a great day, folks. You just heard the Dan Bongino show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24 seven at D Bongino.